0: Welcome to a new season of Navigating the New Normal, Grant Thornton's podcast exploring trends in business and the marketplace. Today, I am joined by Paul Goorley, Head of Corporate Finance in Sydney. Paul and his team recently released their seventh edition of Deal Tracker, a great piece of research looking at 18 months of deal activity in Australia, including the incredibly disruptive 2020. Welcome, Paul.
1: Uh, good afternoon, Teresa.
0: So, Paul, not everyone is going to be familiar with Deal Tracker. What is it? Where is the data coming from, and who is it relevant to?
1: Yeah, Deal Tracker is a publication, as you said, that we've been doing for it's probably up to ten years now, and it tracks Australian deals, corporate deals over five million enterprise value uh, across the Australian market with Australian counterparties. It, uh, because it's been going for over 10 years and this is the seventh edition, uh, it, we've got close to 10,000 10, sort of deals in the database uh, and, and it's really relevant to all market participants who are looking to understand trends uh, in, in deal making but also valuation data. It also includes, every uh, edition includes, analysis of the public markets and what's been happening in relation to capital raisings and how, how the markets have been performing for the 18th month period that we use for each of the editions.
0: So there's really nothing else quite like it in the Australian marketplace.
1: Yeah, I th- we think so, because it, not only do we, we grab data from a lot of public sources and our research sources, there's also a bit of a, a fair bit of proprietary information in there as well, which we use from from our knowledge of transactions in the market. And it, it really gives you an understanding, I guess, of what's happening in M&A in Australia. One of the difficult things in Australia is to get good valuation information. So um, the, the report does go into valuation in a fair bit of detail in terms of what multiples are being paid. And given also that we have seven years, so, sorry, 10 years of data on that you know you get some good long term trends on multiples and how they how they move in terms of different industries but also on different sizes of deals etc
0: and this most recent one the data runs to mid 2020 so that catches the first 6 months of the year when borders were shut and businesses were asked to close their doors or to work remotely what was the impact of covid on deal activity
1: yeah, if everyone can uh, cast their mind back to so that February March period in 2020, obviously the, the the market really took a hit, and a lot of transactions, probably the majority of transactions at that stage, uh, went on hold. Um, most of those have obviously come back now. We've had a fairly strong second half of 2020, but there was a period there, probably between February and March, and, and clearly in this present in this edition uh, up to June, where there was yeah, very limited activity, probably the lowest we've seen for many years. Uh, that, though, in the presentation uh, is, uh, is contrast to the first or well, for the whole of 2019, which was a record period, particularly the, the, the last quarters of 2019 were, were particularly strong. So the overall 18-month period of about 1,400 deals is pretty consistent with what we've been seeing in previous editions. Uh, but that was really a story of a very strong 2019 and a, and a very weak, I guess, low-volume first half of 2020.
0: So I'd really like to ask you about FERB and foreign investment.
1: Yeah, well, obviously FERB rules changed changed back in March two thousand and twenty, and the uh, one of the important changes there was the threshold for deals went to nil value. So that's really held up, particularly in the mid-market and the lower mid-market. That's obviously held up a large number of deals that required to go through FER where they wouldn't normally. Uh, So it did have an impact, I guess, on timing, particularly around completion and certainty on completion. But from my experience, it hasn't stopped deals. It's just added a little bit of time to the the process. Uh, Those thresholds came down on 1 January uh, with the rules changing uh, getting a bit harder in certain areas and, and increasing the fines, but given the thresholds have gone back, it will obviously imp- improve, particularly the mid-market transactions who don't would won't need to go through FERB um, in relation to those thresholds. So, um, so I'd say there were it is a positive that those changes have come off. I don't think we've lost transactions from it, but what probably happened is that some of those transactions got delayed, and you see our numbers in the report, particularly on cross-border, it was slightly down on. On the trends from previous editions, and I think probably a lot of that is just in that in that initial February March pre- period, or the March to June period at least. Uh, some of those transactions probably got stalled from completing because of FERB, but they would have probably completed in the in the third and fourth quarter once FERB was approval was received.
0: And I guess I suppose in terms of um, Australia as a destination for foreign investment, Um, how much of the deal activity in Australia actually comes from overseas?
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, the reports have been pretty consistent around that sort of 30% mark, uh, and and that's similar to this report. Uh, so there's been some good strong trends over the years we've been watching, and so sort the of 10 years we've been doing this, it has been increasing, and you definitely see that on the ground. I think the other thing that's happened is that in, in recent years, the size of deals that get, that get done from foreign buyers and the processes that are run now – uh, particularly in the lower bid market, so deals under fifty million do attract numbers of overseas buyers, and that really goes to the sophistication, I guess, of global participants in doing M and A, but also the, the global search for investments, and and that aspect is probably something that we'd expect to to really give our market a potential boost, because if Australia comes out of COVID. In a good position at the moment, it's looking like one of the best performers globally. If it does come out like that, there's going to be a lot of interest to invest in Australia, um, given our uh, strong economic conditions and and the way we have dealt with the health crisis. So it actually could be a, a fairly good period for you know inbound investment um, if we are able to to keep our our health. Uh, conditions um, as they are and and then obviously once the vaccine occurs uh, really yeah, get some growth into the economy
0: again. That would definitely be a positive outcome. Um, now I've read the report and you show some uh, industry trends over the years, over the last 10 years you have. I noticed that there were some particularly resilient industries that continued to perform well despite the disruption that was 2020. Were there any that particularly stood out to you?
1: Yeah, it's consistent with all of our uh, previous additions, the industrial sector, and that's a very wide sector in Australia. That industrial sector still dominates the um, the deal landscape, particularly in the corporate side, where it represented, I think, 35% of deals. Uh, that's, that is that is consistent, and, and it, it goes to the nature of a lot of our businesses are in that industrial space, but also there has been long-term sort of consolidation in that space, particularly around niche manufacturing, ex- etc are still very popular um, with foreign buyers. The sector to watch though and and it's pretty clear I guess and this is not just in private markets but particularly in public markets as well is the IT technology sector. If you look at the data that's jumped you know significantly with corporate buyers but even more with uh, PE purchases as well where it's now dominating the PE market and definitely that's what we're seeing on the ground a lot of the funds are really focus at the moment, not only on technology, but on businesses that can be enabled through technology. Um, so more traditional businesses better have a technology bent to them. So there's definitely been a, a very large um, move to, to technology, and clearly the COVID um, conditions have assisted those businesses in many areas. Uh, but we would see that as a, as a real big trend this year, and and really that's the focus. Anything that has technology enablement to it is attracting interest and obviously the valuations are extremely um, ex- extremely high in relation to some of those businesses particularly if they've got the you know, subscription models to their to their business models and so we, we would likely see that continue and I would expect that this year technology again will dominate probably both the, the, the private equity uh, investors but also probably the corporate investors as well.
0: So it's interesting that you've mentioned technology and industrials, Um, both happen to feature in government policies around the modern manufacturing initiative. Uh, Do you think this will help to boost and generate more interest in those sectors over the long run?
1: You know, there's no doubt that um, the government is going to support uh, some manufacturing in certain areas. I mean, healthcare is obviously the the one that comes to mind to to shore up supply of you know essential. Um, Essential products and services in case we have another crisis. So, um, some of, there will be winners out of that, and I guess there will be some transactions around that. You're seeing you're seeing some a fair bit of interest in in um, in, in protective clothing, etc. In the healthcare space, and and I would have thought the government will come to support some of those sectors and and bring back some some supply security um, or of supply in in some of those sectors. One of the other areas that will probably benefit from that is in infrastructure services. We're already seeing that the government's talking about a significant infrastructure spend over the next five or ten years. It was already a theme before COVID, uh, but I think that will really be boosted by COVID and and you know when the announcements come out on new projects, I think that will assist a lot of the providers that service the infrastructure area and construction sector. So um, that's probably another area which is not obviously technology enabled, um, but we'll, uh, we'll get a boost, I guess, at, at post-COVID.
0: Definitely something to watch. Um, if we cast our mind back again, uh, a lot of people were making comparisons to the GFC but really we've never been through a period quite like this one in living memory. Were there any surprises in how the market reacted or any trends that uh, that you didn't see coming or that you found particularly interesting?
1: Yeah, I think if we're all honest if you go back to that particularly that March April period now, most commentators, and I guess we were taking that view too, thought that the economy was going to come under a lot of pressure, uh, probably at the back end of the year or the start of this year, given the stimulus was likely to come off. Uh, that really hasn't played out, and if anything, you know, the, the, the volumes, the M&A volumes, both domestically but also globally in the fourth quarter were close to record highs, and we're seeing that sort of level of activity into 2021. So really, we haven't seen the downside, um, and I know there's some job keeper and stimulus and bank moratoriums are still coming off now. Um, there is a lot of investment money around though, which is shielding, I guess, some of the downsides of the, of the, of the lockdowns, et cetera. And there's a lot of money in, in both in investment houses, but also in the general public. And so that is sort of supporting our conditions are still no doubt risks in relation to that and clearly there's still lockdown risks in our economies um, and there's still risks to, to uh, economic conditions um, when all the stimulus comes off but it, i think that's probably the main thing that that hasn't played out as, as much as people thought we thought we'd see a fair bit of distress and that just hasn't played played out that way and if anything the economy is quite strong and particularly if we can get the vaccine out um, to a vast majority of the population quite quickly uh, and get some good um, growth going we, you know this could we could see a fair turnaround and a lot of um, stimulus come back into the to the investment markets and continue to see sort of fairly buoyant m; M&A markets.
0: Now, as you say, we're very much in the beginning of 2021 and businesses are looking at their plans for the year. So if you're in the marketplace, you're thinking about what your opportunities are for deals, is there anything that they need to be considering going into 2021?
1: Now yeah, well, if you look at i guess from a sell side perspective you're looking to sell your business um as I said it's a fairly buoyant period at the moment now a lot of that interest again is in sort of technology enabled businesses so clearly, if you had one of those, you know this is a fairly good market to be to looking to do a transaction in um but even across the general markets i think um it it does with with the growth coming back into the economy it it does look like a quite a good period to to consider such options. Uh, In terms of what you would need to do, I I guess you've got to have a a plan to be able to trade out of of these COVID conditions and also have, obviously, people would have COVID plans already in place in case we have further lockdowns or issues. But, um, But generally, the market is returning To somewhat some level of normality. Um, Deals are being done uh, remotely obviously through this period Uh, we may be able to do them more in more physical nature when the borders come down but I think most people appreciate that the borders can come come up at any stage so we we, you need to be able to do these deals remotely and and most transactions are getting done uh, with only the exception to potentially being site visits etc that are holding deals up so um, i don 't think anything really changes, I guess from a buy side perspective, as i said there 's a lot of money around a lot of investment money um, a lot of that is going towards those certain certain sectors that are that are quite attractive, uh, but nothing has really changed from a um, from, from a buy side perspective. Uh, I would have thought there are there are going to be some opportunities to consolidate, and there has been a fair bit of um, um, innovation occur in a lot of businesses around the way they service their businesses and their cost structures. One of the key things there's been a lot of cost out in many businesses, and a, and a lot of those costs have come out due to you know, lack of ability to, to to for lack of mobility, I guess, in terms of staff and travel costs, etc. Um, but some of those costs will obviously come back. But I think there has been a bit of a shift in some of those areas, and people will be a bit smarter in the way they. They operate from here on, then. So there will be a, there will be some um, interesting assessments of, of um, the, the cost structures of businesses, and also trying to assess normalised earnings has been quite difficult given the COVID period. And trying to normalise for COVID has been one of the challenges. And I guess if we can get a few few months or a six months of, of, of non sort of COVID conditions, I guess that gives you a bit more certainty on on future cash flows and and the assessment of normalised earnings.
0: And from a personal perspective, how are you feeling going into 2021 and maybe the next couple of years in terms of deal activity and, and your work?
1: Yeah, well, I guess, as I said, I, I think. We've- Pretty surprised at how well the market has come back, and and the difference this year is a lot of the transactions started later in the year, so that's really producing a very strong first quarter, which is usually uh, potentially a slower period in in normal M&A um, transactions. So um, we're we're feeling pretty positive at the moment, and uh, if if the if the vaccine rollout works and the health conditions stay under control and the lockdowns can stay away then um, it looks quite positive um, for market conditions clearly unknown is once all the stimulus comes off how hard that hits but again that looks like it'll be industry by industry specific and so the majority of the country will be able to transact the other theme I guess is how are we going to interact with foreign buyers given they are a key part of, of most transactions and uh, I still think that there's going to be a lot of interest from foreign buyers particularly how well Australia is trading and, and our trading conditions uh, the, the the lockdowns or the inability to travel may cause some issues with that because in some jurisdictions uh, there is sort of a requirement for them to visit and to actually have physical meetings with people and that might sound old school but um, I still believe that may be Required into to get transactions done if they don't have local representation, so that that could cause us some trouble with um, foreign yeah you know, foreign buyers in in our transactions. But it but I think people will work around that. And as I said, most of the transaction can be done remotely nowadays, and people have got used to that. Um, I just, so we'll see how that plays out. But overall, I think we're very positive about this year and. Whilst everyone is acknowledging there could be risks in the future, uh, at the moment, deal conditions are very strong and, uh, and we would hope that they'll continue throughout 2021.
0: Paul, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Therese.
0: If you liked this podcast and would like to hear more, you can find and subscribe to Grant Thornton Australia on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.